1: Get your news in less than three minutes, three times per day with the Al Jazeera news updates. Just ask your home device to play the news by Al Jazeera or subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts.
0: This episode of Canada Land Shortcuts is brought to you by Squarespace. Whether you need a portfolio to showcase your work, a store to sell your products and services, or a blog to share your ideas, Squarespace gives you everything you need to make your next move a reality. Start your free trial today at squarespace.com. Use the offer code CanadaLand to get 10% off of your first purchase. This episode also is brought to you by Lyft. The fastest-growing rideshare company in the States is now here in Canada. Well, it's here in Toronto. Uh, for starters, for starters. And if you sign up to Lyft, you will get 15 bucks that you can put towards your first ride. Lyft is preferred by drivers and passengers because it is safe and friendly, and it is committed to affecting positive change for the future of our cities. Go download Lyft Use the promo code CanadaLand or go to Lyft forward slash invite forward slash CanadaLand. You can get your 15 bucks online. Lyft, it matters how you get there. Danielle Paradis, columnist for Metro Edmonton.
1: Glad to be here, Jesse.
0: Glad to have you here. Well, (laughs) glad to have you joining me from Edmonton. Yes. Danielle, today we are going to look at the Gerald Stanley verdict, was the media equal to this moment? We are going to look at Patrick Brown versus CTV News. Was this all just an elaborate conspiracy? And we are going to look at the unkillable newspaper bailout scheme. It has risen. Glad to have you with me.
1: Thanks, Jesse.
0: This episode of Shortcuts is brought to you by Katherine Abro, Ashley Brooks, Katrina Stevenson, Claudia Secondolfo, Erica Aberg, Robbie Jeffrey, Natasha Jaswal, and Megan McCarthy.
1: My name is Megan McCarthy. I work as an after school tutor at the Free Library of Philadelphia. I listen to Commons all the time. It's one of my favorite podcasts. I heard that there was a special uh, fundraising effort going on for the Thunder Bay investigative reporting project. Especially in the past year, I've become more and more convinced that you know in-depth investigative reporting is really important to educating people and hopefully bringing about actual change in the world.
0: And Danielle, this episode is brought to our listeners by Squarespace. Ready to start your new business? Make it stand out with Squarespace. They have beautiful templates created by world-class designers. You plug in your information and off you go. Your website will work. It will work as the web evolves. They update, you don't have to patch anything. It all happens on their end. It'll work no matter if people are looking at it on a phone or a tablet. It will be a website that brings you very little headaches and represents you very, very well. They have 200 extensions. If you ever have a question, they have award-winning 24-7 customer support. A dream is just a great idea that does not have a website yet. Head to squarespace.com for a free trial. When you're ready to launch, use the offer code Canada land. You will get 10% off of your first purchase of a website or domain. That is squarespace.com offer code Canada land. A jury has
1: acquitted Gerald Stanley of second-degree murder in the shooting death of Colton Bushey. And as this verdict was read out in the courthouse behind me this evening, there were screams, people broke down, several people in the courtroom yelled, murderer, murderer, and Colton Bushey's mom, Debbie Baptiste, cried out, my son. A white jury came out with
0: a verdict of not guilty of Gerald Stanley who shot and killed my nephew. The 56-year-old rancher took the stand in his own defense, saying he fired two warning shots and thought the gun was empty. He pulled the trigger again and testified some time went by between the final trigger pull and the final gunshot, what he described as a phenomenon known as a hang fire.
1: There was no justice served here today. We will stand here and honor my late brother, my family member, My friend, Colton Bushy.
0: Online, many say the shooting was justified or not based on ethnicity, some posting racist comments.
1: And we know that Bushy supporters are already planning demonstrations on Parliament Hill. I'm not going to comment on the process that led us to this point today. uh, But I am going to say we have come to this point as a country uh, far too many times. Indigenous people across this country are uh, angry they're heartbroken uh, and i know indigenous and non-indigenous canadians alike
0: uh, know that we have to do better danielle how did the canadian media do with this
1: um i I guess that depends what you feel about the verdict by and large as an indigenous person myself i did feel that the coverage was fair although um sometimes it missed the point Uh, we do have um an issue where you have people from Toronto covering what life is like in rural Saskatchewan, and um, I'm not sure in all instances that that's fair. The conversation can be a little bit more nuanced. So, for example, we were talking about jury selection, but what really didn't make um, the Globe was that, in addition to um, the preemptory challenges, which which is an issue that um, prevents Indigenous people from appearing on a trial, there's it's difficult in Saskatchewan for people from rural communities often. Uh, Indigenous, to travel hundreds of miles in order to attend jury duty. uh, And the expenses just may not be covered appropriately for them.
0: Everything has kind of gotten focused on this one issue of peremptory challenges. And I can understand that. We can get into that in a little bit of detail. And uh, I mean, Joe Friesen of the Globe has been doing a wonderful job of reporting this from the start. And we know things about this. We know about the RCMP's files uh, and their account of what happened in shocking detail because of Friesen. And he was the one who kind of really like wrote this very dramatic scene that should be a front to anybody who has just a sense of decency uh, where every time a potential juror went before the defense, before they even asked them a question, if they looked indigenous at all, the defense said, challenge. And they weeded out every single indigenous person in a scene that kind of evokes for me movies about Mississippi in the 50s. And that that right there, I understand why people's emotions and why a lot of the political will is really focused on just that. There is no word for that, but racism. um, It is, and it's it's legal racism. It's approved racism, and you know, people in the legal community have been trying to get this changed for a very long time. So, you know, in that respect, the focus on the all white jury is like that's that's on the mark. And and I, you know I I feel like the the weight of this the media has reflected that this is a, a trial in in rural Saskatchewan doesn't usually get, become a national news story and I think that this did get the space that it deserves. I wanted to talk about a few things that did pop up. Did you read this opinion piece in the Globe and Mail by um, this criminal lawyer David Butt?
1: Yes, I did. Uh, it, it does cover a lot of the issues on the preemptory challenges and the um, the suspicion that would that's cast on the on the trial because it was
0: an all white uh, jury. And the piece really did conclude that something is very wrong. Convicted by an all white jury has certain connotations and the thesis of this piece is that we should change that. But there are these little things and, and, and the little things matter. When he's starting his piece, he says Gerald Stanley testified that his gun went off accidentally. The jury believed him or at least had a reasonable doubt about accidental discharge. So far, nothing problematic. Typical courtroom stuff. Writes David Butt in the Globe and Mail. In fact, it's it's completely atypical. Uh, my understanding is that acquittals in murder trials happen about 3% of the time. And when you actually start to delve into the facts of this, um, the evidence presented, the admission of this hang fire defense, which is this extraordinarily rare ballistics event where you pull the trigger and then sometime later the gun fires. And even if you believe that this is one of those rare occasions where it happened, it just doesn't actually make sense because a hang fire usually takes seconds uh, or fractions of seconds. And it, even if you believe Gerald Stanley, uh, it was a much longer period of time from when he pulled the trigger to when it went off. That's not a typical defense. If That becomes a typical defense that anybody who shoots somebody can just say, I actually didn't pull the trigger when it was pointed at that guy. It was a hang fire. And because that possibly in the universe might happen sometime you are fully acquitted that's not a typical outcome this is this is an aberrant weird outcome and i feel like he kind of brushed aside like oh yeah, yeah, yeah. acquittals that's no big deal there's an attempt to normalize something that is uh, is really abnormal
1: it's very weird and, and when you see the reactions on social media even stanley's defenders don't believe it. They're not talking about misfires. They're not talking about how it was a tragic accident. People are actually talking about self defense and defense of property. So uh, it's interesting that um, although he was acquitted based on this supposed misfire, that everyone is still talking about property rights.
0: I think that that is the crux of this right there. If you delve into the comments coming from Stanley supporters, they do not agree with Stanley. They agree with you and I if you and I believe that Stanley pulled that trigger on purpose. They believe that he is lying about it being a freak ballistic accident. What they believe is that a man should be able to protect his family uh, from marauding robbers up to no good. And that is what happened here. And that is actually like a radical thing that they're arguing. They're arguing that they don't care by what means he's acquitted. They don't care that the law actually doesn't agree with them that you can shoot somebody just for being on your property or for or, or for stealing on your property. The law does not allow you to do that. They don't care. They're okay with subverting that law. They're okay if the jury disregarded Stanley's defense and, and just said, we're going to acquit him because we actually believe there should be a different law in place. And that does come back as a media question and not just a social media question from Stanley's supporters because the media felt a need to reflect what are, okay, there's another side to the story. What are the Saskatchewan farmers saying?
1: My next guest is a grain farmer, a member of Farmers with Firearms. He's requested we not use his last name. Uh, We are, uh, we're using his first name. It is Ryan. Hello, Ryan.
0: Hey, how are you today?
1: Well, I'm wondering what you thought when you heard um, Gerald Stanley pronounced not guilty.
0: Danielle, like it's this thing where you're not going to put on one of the people who's just like outwardly, rabidly bigoted, but you want to put the farmers on and, and so you you find this representative who's willing to come on. And this one guy, Ryan, it seems, has been on the CBC. He was on Out in the Open, Pia Chattopata's show like a year ago. He was on The Current. He was on Cross Country Checkup. And they granted him anonymity. You know, there's very specific reasons for granting a source anonymity. What did you make of the CBC's decision to do so in the case of this Ryan guy?
1: Um, it sort of fuels this... Um... This victim narrative that if uh, he were to speak under his own name, he would be subject to evil activist groups who would, I, I'm i not really sure they're not the guns rights advocates, but harm him or threaten his family. So I I don't think anonymity was important in that case. And I, I don't know why the media would grant that for somebody who's, there's just no compelling reason to not speak under your own name.
0: The, the, the reason provided... Uh, sort of like mumbled at the end by Anna Maria Tremonti is we granted him anonymity because he lives in an isolated area. Okay. So if you used his full name and he lives in this isolated area, then people would be able to find him and hurt him. Who is going to want to find and hurt this guy? And I think that you are fueling a conception that is not supported by facts that there is going to be violent consequences from angry indigenous people. Like if you listen to him, he sounds somewhat reasonable and he certainly is not saying outwardly racist things. So you found somebody who is representing the farmers supposedly, but he's actually not representing what most of them are saying. What most of them are saying is much more racist than what Ryan is saying. So you found somebody who's cleaned up the message. You've, you've allowed him to represent the, this, I think overwhelming consensus as far as what I can tell online, which is that Gerald Stanley had every right to defend his property. You're cleaning up a very, ugly message for mass consumption and you're further perpetuating what fuels it when you give him that anonymity and, and support these ideas that this guy is in danger uh, and, and, and you're not answering the real questions which is what are the crime statistics that, that rural Saskatchewan farmers face? Is it true that there's like violent crime from uh, local people and indigenous people specifically? My understanding is that the crime rates are actually falling in rural Saskatchewan.
1: Yeah, I think that um, the media does gloss over that. They just take it for granted when the farmers are saying that they are uh, victims of violence or violent or crimes. And the idea that there's these horrible indigenous people although they're not they're not saying that they're saying no matter what skin color they are um but they're being very careful and very coded uh, especially ryan when he's talking and that, that is why he's a representative for them is he's able to speak in the sort of good person not racist trying to just do the right thing and defend his family kind of ethic that appeals to the media when they're covering the the other side of the story. And what we're not talking about is um, Colton Bushy was also put on trial here and basically convicted. It's just taken for granted that him and his friends were stealing things. Uh, so it's very interesting that um, Stanley had the presumption of innocence, but um, Colton Bushy and his friends did not.
0: Bushy himself, I, th- I believe, was asleep when his friends drove onto the farm. And I, I don't know. I mean... <laughs> How, can I ask you something? Like we're, this is the exercise, and we're going to look at what the media did and, and see what it means. But this is a catalyzing moment. This is uh, how how are you as an Indigenous person? How are you doing since this verdict came out?
1: It was very difficult the night that that came out. Um, I mean, I I heard from a friend who uh, texted me about it. I, my sister was texting me. It was something that. Um, it, it was a really dark moment. I don't think that it was unexpected, but it's certainly not what we hoped for. I, it seemed so clear that to be acquitted of all charges was just unbelievable. Even, um, even if it wasn't murder, I would say manslaughter. Um, I, I think I, the misfire argument was just, it, it was so out there that I don't know how you could believe it unless you set out to acquit this person from the very beginning.
0: Danielle, do you have something that you can note duly for us today?
1: Uh, yes. One of the United Conservative Party
0: MLAs, Don McIntyre,
1: uh, was charged with sexual assault and sexual interference. Um, but what's interesting here is Jason Kenney, the leader of the United Conservative Party, he expressed disgust when he was asked about uh, the sexual crimes that, um, that Don McIntyre had allegedly committed, saying that, Offenses against sexual offenders um, who who offend against children deserve the most severe legal consequences possible. I couldn't help but draw a parallel between uh, Trudeau expressing sympathy for the Bushy family and then the Kenny comments, which uh, you could infer is also going to bias people against uh, Don McIntyre.
0: Oh, that's interesting. That's interesting. Duly noted. I'll duly note another, I guess, footnote to uh, everything that's happening around the Stanley verdict, which is that um, uh, Robert Jago, who uh, people heard on this show recently, had a piece up on the Media Indigenous website about uh, the jury, um, who you know, some members of which ran away as soon as they could. And uh, he wrote a very compelling piece about how it's just a further reflection of treating Indigenous people like they're animals. That piece went up on Media Indigena first and then... This it went down, and then Media Indigena said we've been hacked, and we've never been hacked before, and there's no way. Ultimately, they said we can't really ever prove who did this or why, but uh, it, it it does seem like reasonable to conclude that it was related to the publication of this piece. We at Canada Land republished the piece, as did the National Observer and others. But I wanted to duly note that this happened, and duly note that the Canadians who have become so mobilized lately about uh, freedom of speech when it comes to, you know, Lindsey Shepard or um, Jordan Peterson, sometimes uh, Faith Goldie's uh, freedom of speech. They, they have yet to weigh in on this uh, apparent attack on freedom of speech. It's a kind of a scary precedent that uh, some mysterious source somewhere can just hack a site and throw it offline if they don't like what it's published. Seems like a freedom of speech case to me.
1: Duly noted. I'm not sure that the parallel is exactly fair.
0: This show is sponsored by BetterHelp, therapy online that has served over 3 million people around the world, and BetterHelp is available here in Canada. A lot of people have various blocks or reasons why they don't just reach out for that help, and one thing you'll hear people say is they just don't have the time. I would like to mount a different uh, argument here, which is that if you are talking to a mental health professional, if if you're chatting with somebody about your life and about your priorities, you can clear away a lot of the clutter. You can actually find yourself And because you listen to the show, you get 10% off of your first month at betterhelp.com canadaland Canada Land. Once again, it's betterhelp.com. along with five free travel packs. You'll get a free one-year supply of vitamin D3 and K2, along with your first purchase. Go to drinkag1.com canadaland Canada Land. That is drinkag1.com slash Canada Land. Check it out. Danielle, I'm going to take a second to thank our other sponsor today, and that is our founding sponsor, FreshBooks. It is tax time. If you are a freelancer or a small business owner, I feel you. I, I feel for you. I am you. Many of you are trying to dig your way out from a pile of receipts and spreadsheets, old files, shoebox of things, do yourself a huge favor. Take care. This is self-care. Stop digging through those receipts. Go and check out FreshBooks cloud accounting software. It will change the way you feel about dealing with your taxes. If you need to send your accountant a quick summary of the amount of tax you've collected or pull together a quick profit and loss summary, FreshBooks can generate those reports in seconds instead of the hours or days of procrastination that uh, I used to dedicate towards those tasks. It's ridiculously easy to use. Try it out for free for 30 days. Unrestricted free trial for Canada Land listeners. To claim it, go to freshbooks.com slash Canada Land and enter Canada Land in the how did you hear about us section.
1: The campaign designed to discredit two women alleging sexual misconduct against a major public figure. Patrick Brown, who denies the claims, resigned as Ontario's PC leader hours after they first surfaced. Since then, the women have been dragged through the social media gutter. CTV News has learned the online abuse has only intensified since Brown put together another team, including private eyes and PR experts, to find dirt on his
0: accusers. The two women who accused former PC leader Patrick Brown of sexual misconduct are not backing down. I stand absolutely by the truth of what I said to CTV. There is nothing in what Patrick Brown alleges that undermines the core truth of what I have experienced with him, said one woman. It's an absolute, absolute lie. And frankly, CTV, this is yellow journalism on their part, uh, not, not doing their job, an execution uh, before b-, b before trial, I know there are many good, good journalists uh out out there in Canada, but the way this was done, it was a hatchet job. Danielle, I imagine that like everyone in Edmonton, you are following the Patrick Brown controversy uh report by report, detail by detail nugget nugget of gossip. Uh, Ontario politics is your pastime right I mean everybody cares about what happens here
1: <laughs> well, we don't have a choice because that's usually what the media covers. <laughs>
0: Glenn McGregor wrote this with a young reporter named Rachel Aeo. They had two sources who uh, confirmed longstanding rumors about Patrick Brown. They said that he had acted sexually with sexual impropriety of various kinds when they were uh, teenagers. Uh, He was a grown ass man, like 10 years older than them, plying them with alcohol. He doesn't drink. And they had various details of how it all played out. And of course, Patrick Brown went down and ran down a stairwell. He has since uh, found a friendly, mm-hmm. The Sun, and through Postmedia's papers and the National Post, on his own Facebook post, he said this is all lies. It's all lies. He has uh, uh, called the CTV reports into question. He has come forward with, he says, I can prove that they're lies, and there's a series of, of factual discrepancies that he—, he uh, points out when these things happened. Uh, what floor of his house? Did he have a door? One of the accusers says the door was closed. Well, I didn't have a door. It was open concept. And he says that this disproves the allegations. What has happened, Danielle, is that there are a lot of uh, Patrick Brown faithful and fueled by this report from uh, Frank, Frank Magazine. Frank Magazine thinks they know who Rachel IAO's source is. They exposed that source and they accused Rachel IAO. Of um, Well, at first they said that she had like a romantic relationship with her, and that led to all sorts of conspiracy theory. Oh, this is obviously some lesbian plot from Kathleen Wynne's liberals. Both Rachel Ayo and the supposed source uh, have been facing horrible, horrible um, abuse online, that this has all been an inside job and a setup. And CTV is standing by the story. They have uh, said that, that, yes, their sources, uh, one was off by a year as to when it happened. Um, but the core substance of the story, they stand behind. But facts are facts and some of those facts were wrong. What do you make of this? Is this story in trouble? Is CTV in trouble? Uh, What was your take on the situation?
1: Uh, It sort of reminded me of the um, Rolling Stone piece that happened a few years ago where the factual inconsistencies made the story fall apart, but we're not seeing anything near the level of discrepancies that, that you did see in that case it seems like it's muddying the waters. I mean, it's pretty normal to think that somebody in a very stressful situation being uh, sexually harassed by somebody who has a lot more power and authority than they do would perhaps not remember exactly a door being open or a door being closed. Memory, human memory is such as a year or two is not really inconceivable. I might not remember the exact year uh, that something traumatic uh, happened to me as well. So I do think that... um, that a lot of what Brown and his defenders are doing is just trying to pick apart the story around the edges to make sure that it falls. But I'm not sure that it will, and, and we'll, time will tell.
0: Yeah, I, I leave some margin of error in this for the possibility that there's further problems with the story. The fact of the matter is this was not a case where the media published a story and then the public drummed Patrick Brown out of office. Patrick Brown collapsed instantly. His own mm-hmm. staff instantly Fled, And there was uh, widespread talk about how, like, yes, we kind of knew about this, about Patrick Brown for a long time. When even Frank pulls their story, their original story about Rachel Ayo being romantically linked to the source, now they're just friends. You know, like, in Ottawa... Uh, show me like there's a different standard that we're applying to this young female reporter about like w- did she have some kind of social relationship with the supposed source if you want to go and interrogate any political story as to whether or not the source has any kind of friendship with the reporter <laughs> like a lot of stories are gonna come in t- into trouble you know if that's the standard and like it's yeah. pretty standard issue stuff. Attacking little circumstantial details about a accuser in sexual assault, sexual impropriety accusations, and therefore saying that there's no truth to any of this. So, uh, you know, time will tell as you say. But this feels like pretty standard operating procedure response.
1: Yeah, I mean, if the Me Too movement has taught us anything, it's that um, that it's typical for the whisper network, uh, as we call it, to have been aware of issues for years already. It's usually not. It's usually not an isolated case. It's very common to hear more stories surface, uh, and the fact that his staff quit is is so damning to me that that immediately people seem to have already known what's happened. They don't want to be around for it. Uh, and I I very much doubt that there's uh, nothing uh, behind this and that it's all a scheme to bring down a powerful man. And that argument is as old as um, as sexual violence itself.
0: Yeah, and, and, you know, to try to reverse engineer this and imagine that... Uh you know, it's gotten so warped. And because there was like, you know, uh, you know, uh, one of Patrick Brown's supporters said, oh, this was an inside job. But he was referring to how the leadership was handed over within the party. But then that became, oh, the whole story is an inside job. And, uh, you know, now the idea that Glenn McGregor and Rachel Ayo are in on it with, uh, you know, some kind of like palace coup, you know, it's nice to have a big scoop. It helps your career when you've got a big scoop. Glenn McGregor is not going to get like a 50% bonus for this scoop. Rachel Ayo is not going to get, you know, but meanwhile, If they actually were complicit in some scheme like that, they would lose everything. So, you know, it's an Occam's razor thing. I I feel like also, Danielle, there was uh, once again some uh, both sides ism happening in the media. uh, CBC's Metro Morning like Patrick Brown wouldn't come on the show to defend himself. Right? Like that's, that, and that, you know, you, you liken this to the Rolling Stone story. The biggest problem with the Rolling Stone story is they never actually went to the accused for comment. Uh, CTV went to Patrick Brown for comment. He instead decided to have his press conference. Uh, CBC went to Patrick Brown for comment. He wouldn't come on the show. What does CBC Metro Morning do? They find a friend of Patrick Brown's. Do you think they're telling the truth? How I feel is it, even if they were telling the truth, I don't see the crime in what they're accusing him of. Jessica Pettifant is a longtime friend and supporter of former progressive conservative leader Patrick. If Patrick Brown doesn't want to come on the CBC and, and, and defend himself, why is it incumbent upon the CBC to find somebody who will try to exculpate him on the basis of that his skeezy behavior wasn't technically criminal? Uh, I, I just don't know what the value of that is.
1: Yeah, I don't know, except that and picking a woman and having a woman kind of be the mouthpiece, that couldn't be more perfect for Patrick Brown because that's a very common tactic as well. I can see why he would want to avoid questions, why, he, why it would be more favorable for him to do a press release. But um, media's obsession with both sideism, uh really isn't fair to the the victims or the people who've been sexually harassed in these cases if they're trying so hard to find somebody who will speak against them.
0: I want to finally just touch on something that has resurrected in the last couple of days. And, you know, f- first it came out, we, we learned here... Um, and I think more or less, all right, they beat us by an hour. Uh, J-Source had the story first that uh, the Toronto Star was killing its, its esteemed legendary internship program, um, like killing its internship program. Like no, like the, the, the only formal route through which you can kind of like, this is how we find new people, it's gone. And then quickly on the heels of that, um, the Globe and Mail did, had a rare interview with John Hondrick, the uh, publisher of the Toronto Star, where he, he, he said, we are fighting for survival. The Toronto Star is fighting for survival. And then there was also in the Star, there's a piece uh, about how federal government Melanie Jolie, who rejected this, you know, whatever, $350 million plan to bail out the newspaper industry, is expected to now come out with a, you know, a new plan at a lesser, that they will be bailing out the newspapers, but maybe $75 million or something like that. Uh, and all of these things are linked, and 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 they, they ran these stories where, you know, they profiled... Bob Cox, who's the publisher of the Winnipeg Free Press, who's on this show, uh, you know, going out there and, and handing papers out himself one day when when the circumstances required, uh, you know, and damn it, the news is important. And nowhere in any of this coverage was there any w- whisper of why it might not be a good idea. You know, uh, there are many critics. I was part of the process. I know there are many critics of the idea of government bailed out newspapers and and, and a news industry that is completely reliant on government funding. And so it it was ironic to me that like, if you are of the opinion that we shouldn't have the government funding the newspaper business because it will corrupt the news, you need look no further than these promotional stories that the news industry is running right now in order to help secure uh, public support for this newspaper bailout. It's already fucking up their news judgment.
1: Yeah. I mean, the Toronto Star uh, wrote a piece that was quite defensive of the need uh, to support journalism and uh, Melanie Jolie sort of failing at that and not putting together this Canadian journalism fund or if they do put it together that they're not going to be giving enough money. Um, The CBC comes up in this of course because uh, the government will use that as a defense of evidence that they support local news while the smaller newspapers are saying that they're a competitor and that they're often having to fight against um, the CBC which is government funded. So it's a really complicated situation.
0: It is, but you know, I think that that you know they're always like uh, very quick to kind of um, drape themselves in in, in the, the most kind of like. We are the media. We are the news. You need us uh, when it suits them. The Toronto Star, like they just like set forty million dollars on fire with this idiotic Star Touch uh, thing. Like that's a lot of money that could have gone towards helping them uh, out of the situation and and do journalism. They then hired uh, a guy who could have helped them, David Skok. They pushed him out because of their weird culture. And speaking of their weird culture, there, they're kind of sick culture. Like these, this internship program. My understanding is that it it was heavily subsidized with government grants already. And there's a lot of talk right now that the Toronto Star uh, didn't need to kill it, but they knew that that would be a real part of their poor us plea. It's really hard to do a poorer job of... Navigating a news organization through this current business shift, this current news crisis that the, everyone in the world is facing—it's—it's it's hard to do a shittier job than the Toronto Star is doing. And again, I'm always, whenever I talk about this, I'm a a person who's running a small digital news company that will never take money from the government. It, it's just a sickening idea that they will be rewarded for all of their failures and be given millions of dollars when, you know, we're operating on this micro budget here. And when the answers are pretty uh, straightforward, if the government wants to do something, they can prohibit the CBC from selling advertising and from competing commercially and make them a a collaborator in the news space as opposed to a competitor. That's, that's the low hanging fruit that would make a big difference. But there I go again.
1: (laughs) Uh, Yeah. I do think it's incredibly short-sighted to cut your internship and, and, If it is heavily subsidized, then and they're doing this as um, just a way to stand up and make a political point, then that's that's very egregious recently Toronto Star and Postmedia swapped a bunch of papers and that led to Metro Winnipeg and Metro Ottawa folding uh, so speaking of um, invoices I feel like I better get mine in soon
0: <laughs> I can recommend some software for that. Danielle that is your Canada Land Shortcuts <laughs> uh, everybody I hope you enjoyed it. You can email me about it at jesse at I read everything you send me. We are on Twitter at Canada Land. Danielle people should follow you. Where can they do that?
1: Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at
0: Danny Parody D A N I P A R A D I S correct? Yes. If you hit like on Canada Land's Facebook page, our news stories will show up in your news feed. You can also go to canadalandshow.com and read our stuff. Our crowdfunding site is patreon.com/canadaland. Syndication is by CFUV 101.9 FM in Victoria. Visit them online at cfuv.ca. If you like what we do, please support us on Patreon.